0: Come on, church. You guys excited for Easter next weekend? It's gonna be absolutely incredible. And if you don't know anything about Easter here at Elevate, I wanna just formally invite you. We've got six opportunities next weekend starting at seven o'clock this coming Friday, and it's gonna be awesome. We're starting then, and we've got two services on Saturday. But here's where you need to pay attention because our normal time, like right now, 12.30, if you show up at 12.30, you will be drastically Late. So Sunday, and we're putting this on the screen, we've got an 830 service. We've got 1015 and we've got 12. So don't show up at 1230. You'll be late. Make sure you pay attention to those times. But honestly, it's a great opportunity for you to come and to sit and to experience Jesus. And if, hey, if you're available and you would like to be a part of creating that experience, I mean, we're expecting over 3,000 people to walk through these doors next weekend. So if you want to wave to some people in the parking lot or smile or greet or hold a door, you can sit one and you can serve one. And that would be awesome to be a part of that experience next weekend. I'm so looking forward to being here with every single one of you uh, as we come back to to really kind of celebrate and remember this Easter season Together Now, today, we're going to talk through about Palm Sunday, and if you're brand new here, I want to welcome you. My name is Will. I'm our campus operations director, and really, I usually get the opportunities to connect with you in the lobby uh, before service or after service, and, and really just kind of help you identify what your next steps are. Uh, may be, and that's, I love doing that, it's a blessing, and it's, it's an honor, honestly, though, to be up here today, to be on this platform, to talk with you uh, about this Palm Sunday, this, this time in this journey where we are seeing Jesus move uh, into Jerusalem. Now, if you don't know anything uh, about this triumphant entry that we're talking about, I, I was doing some studying on this, and I, and I was looking into this powerful moment, this pivotal moment in, in history, but it got me thinking of like, what would a, a grand entry or a triumphant entry look like? Maybe to us right now. Like, what could we relate to that? And so uh, I was I was looking through. We've got a couple of things that you might feel uh, would be like the Rams coming through the tunnel. Any football fans out there? No Rams fans, of course, but because we're in Erie, Pennsylvania, but the Rams coming through. You can like hear like the noise, right? The, ch- the fans just chanting out, music's playing. In this example, there's, there's fire coming through and they're just coming through. It's this great, great moment, this great entry into to the game. Or maybe if you're a, a person who's a, a dancer or a theatrical type of person, you might want to go see some Cirque du Soleil. Right. And so it's this dark moment. They're going to put this picture up. Dark moment. Uh, and the next thing you know, like this grand boom, all these people are dancing, doing crazy flips that I would never even attempt to try. There's confetti going all over the place. It's like this great moment as they enter into kind of their their set, their set of dancing and their set of just amazing feats of just some humans that are just doing some crazy, crazy things. Or, or maybe you're a concert goer. Like, like, you're a Justin Timberlake fan. Come on, is there any Timberlake fans in the house today? None of you. Okay, good. But in this picture, right, in this picture, you can almost hear the 12-year-old girl screaming out to Justin Timberlake, like, as he's getting ready to just, like, melt their hearts with this perfect harmony or melody thing. I'm not a singer. But you can feel this the sound and some lights and this, this kind of leading into this, this drastic moment. And probably one of the, the most recognizable ones, if you haven't related to any of these yet, would be the opening ceremony of the Olympics where we see all these nations coming together in this pivotal, this moment of sport, this passion of sport. And you can see this, the, the fans are cheering and just like this, how much joy is going on and that torch is just being carried around that stadium and through, through that town and, and then lighting the big torch and just this, this amazing experience, this amazing moment and, and, and it got me thinking, like, what would be this grand entry? Like, what, what makes it so amazing? What, what, is it the lights? Is it the fire? Is it the, the noise? Is the fans cheering? Is it any, all these other things? It's, it really is kind of rooted in two things that I've noticed is anticipation, this anticipation for, for what is about to happen, this anticipation for what you, you think, this, like, moment as your team is coming through where this performance is about to happen. But it's also rooted in hope. It's rooted in hope for like what is going to happen after that moment. It's, it's rooted in hope. And so the greatest entry ever was when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. And we're going to talk about that today. This, as Jesus is entering into the city of Jerusalem, as he's going there, if you don't know, he's going there as part of tradition for the Passover festival. And the Passover festival, if you are unaware of, was this moment where God freed the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity some 1,500 years prior to when Jesus was, was there doing this. And this was a, a, a moment where they were remembering what God had done in the past, And if you're curious about the Passover, you want to maybe learn a little bit more about that, I would encourage you to go to Exodus, the second book of the Bible, chapter 12. And that would be the moment where you'll see just this Passover festival and really kind of why, not the Passover festival, why they have now the Passover festival. But I would actually encourage you not to go to Exodus chapter 12 if you really want to learn about it, but that we would actually just go a few chapters and a few few years back to Exodus chapter 2. Because if you go to Exodus chapter 2, not only do you, do you and you start reading forward, not only do you see uh, this, this Passover happening down, down the way, but you get to see what, what brought them there. And that's really what Palm Sunday is about. Right? I mean, Jesus had come into Jerusalem numerous times, but Palm Sunday is the leading up to what's going to happen next week during Easter. It's the leading up moment. And so today, we're going to talk through just what this looks like to help us better prepare ourselves, our hearts, for what's going to happen next weekend during this Easter time, to better help us realize and recognize who Jesus Jesus is. And so if you, you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke today. Um, is one of the Gospels. And if you are not a believer. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. You don't even know what the gospels are. I'll just give you a quick uh, introduction. There's four gospels uh, in the Bible. These, there's four authors. These four uh, people who are are writing to audiences at different times uh, in this moment to different people, right? And so they're writing to these different communities. And and there's four of them. So there's Matthew. There's Mark. There's Luke and John. We're going to look at Luke today. But uh, the stories they're not they're not uh, repetitive. They're not contradictory. Now, when I was first given my very first Bible, they told me all of this. They said, hey, it's the same story. over," And I just completely disregarded it, let's be honest. And so I started reading. They said, hey, just start in Matthew, and you're going to read and everything. And so I started there. I listened to that because I was a little stubborn, but not too stubborn, uh, which if you ask my wife, I'm still a little bit stubborn today. But I started reading, and I, that's what I thought. I thought, this story is contradicting itself. It's so repetitive. Like, like It's very confusing, and it it made me wonder, like, actually really realize that no wonder why nobody reads the Bible. It's just the same story over and over again, like, it just keeps going on and on, but I was able to quickly realize that it was actually just different perspectives of the same story. Like, if we were to see this as a different perspective, to see actually what it is, uh, we'd be able to have a better perspective of who Jesus is. Jesus' life is depicted through these four gospels in four different perspectives. And so this would actually give us, if you read through all of the gospels, a a better, really 360 degree picture of Jesus and his life and his time and why he came. And so if you're, you're not a believer and you're just here to check some things out, first off, thank you. Thank you for being here. Like this experience was really designed with you in mind so that you could come and be a part of our community and and not really feel pressured or obligated to to dress a certain way or to be a certain way, but we're excited that you're here. But you should know, we talk a lot about Jesus, and we love Jesus, and we serve Jesus passionately, and we're excited about that. So if you haven't realized that yet, now you do, but we're glad you're here as well to just be a part of it, and you can learn on your level wherever you are in your journey. But personally, I, I love this book. You see, Luke was writing at this time. He was really this like literary genius. And he was, he's alluding in, in his gospel to all of these Old Testament stories, alluding to them of how that was Jesus, how that how was pointing to this continuation of hope uh, that the Old Testament talked about to who Jesus was in this moment, to these audiences, these communities. We see Jesus throughout the gospels just going through different communities, going there, and what was he doing? He was talking about the good news of the kingdom of God. He was letting people experience and and doing miracles, of course, but he was doing all these different things, but then he would leave. But he wouldn't just leave the people just as they were. He left them forever changed. Now, I'm 28 years old. I was not there thousands of years ago when Jesus was around. Okay, I know I I didn't shave this morning, so I might look a little bit older, but I am one of those people that because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did and because of what, what was written down is changed my life dramatically. From a life of just really destruction to a life of no, no meaning, switch that to now a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment, a life of, of figuring out what could God use me to do? And so my hope is that every single one of you would have that experience to be able to, to learn from it, but, um, but I understand if that's not you. I, I get it, I was there As well, but we're going to look at Luke today in Luke chapter 19. But if if you want to see a different perspective of all the gospels, I would encourage you to write these down. They're found in Matthew chapter 21, Mark chapter 11, Luke chapter 19, which is where we're going to be at today, and John chapter 12. These these four spots, these four spots in those gospels, will give you the full picture of the story that we are going to talk about today. Give you a better idea of what is to come. Our goal though, really as an overall, is to help us prepare for what what is to come. Help us prepare for what is to come next week for Easter. So let's look today. We're going to dive into Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, Why are you untying it? say, The Lord needs it. Pause. Do not leave church today and go and take someone else's car and say, The Lord needs it. That is not what we are learning in church. I, I wouldn't try it. I think it'll end badly. I think we're, getting, we're gonna learn something different as we see in verse 32. It says, those who were sent ahead of him went and found it just as, he is, as, just as he has told them. Now, if you can mark that, highlight that down or type it in your notes. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying it? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus and threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road, and when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise. Mark that down, joyfully to praise God in the loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And if you look at verse 38, there's a footnote in your Bible. If you're pulling that up, you'll see that it's, it's referencing to Psalm 118. It's, they're singing this ancient psalm out to Jesus as he's coming through. It says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, which the Pharisees were religious leaders of the day, said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus replies, I tell you, if they keep quiet, meaning if the disciples disciples keep quiet, these stones would cry out, saying, Jesus is conveying to us that if his people that were created in his image, wouldn't cry out and give him the praise that he deserves. Something else that he created will. But fortunately, the the stones were able to keep quiet that day because the disciples were actually praising joyfully. And it says, in verse 41, He says, "'As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, "'he wept over it and said, "'If you, even you, had only known on this day "'what would bring you peace, "'but now it is hidden from your eyes.'" The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls, and they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Do you see this? They didn't recognize the time of God's coming to them. This extraordinary experience as we see this wave of emotion. If you were, you were following along, you see that there was Jesus who had those disciples who were being obedient to what he wanted them to do. So they went and got the donkey. But not only did they just go and get the donkey, but it was actually this divine appointment because it was exactly where he said it would be. And he said the exact same thing. And that's what they said. And that was divine appointment. We see this joyful praise as he's making his entry in. We see this ancient psalm being sang. We can kind of feel in this moment. But then we see that Jesus wept. This moment of rejoice, we see Jesus Jesus weeping. And it's actually interesting. If you ever get the opportunity to go to Israel, uh, which I had the opportunity a few years ago to go to, you'll see the Mount of Olives, you can see Jerusalem clear as day. But as he's making this path, as it's showing, as he's making his way down, he's actually passing through the Garden of Gethsemane. He's passing right by it. And the interesting thing is a week from now, we'll see, and we're gonna talk about this, that that's where Jesus went the night before he was crucified. And so he's weeping in this joyful moment as he's passing by a spot where he's also going to be weeping. But then we also see that they didn't recognize God coming to them. In this moment, there's just this wave of emotions, this extraordinary experience, but it's all rooted around the fact that they missed Jesus. They miss Jesus as he's walking on by on a donkey. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me today? God, thank you so much for this opportunity we have to to learn from your word today. God, I pray that we would would see and we would be able to understand and recognize you in a new way today. God, give us the, the vision that you have for us, God, move in this place in such a way that we would be spiritually forever changed. God, let us glorify you every step of the way. We love you, and it's in your son Jesus' name, amen. During my studying of of this scripture and other scripture, I like to uh, put myself in the story, right? So if you've watched a movie, maybe you've watched the movie Taken, and you've been like, okay, what would I do if I was Liam Nelson?" Like, would I have come in and try to knock the dude out and chase after him? Like, what would I do in that scenario, right? And then you pull yourself out and say, okay, well, if this happened to my daughter, what would I do right now? Like, you kind of, you play these scenarios. Anybody else do this? It's just me, okay. So I do this in scripture, right? Because I don't really watch that many movies, uh, really at all, um, but a couple times, you know, maybe a, a year I'll, I'll watch a movie. But I, I do this in scripture, and, and I think to myself, if I was there, if I was in this day, would I have been obedient enough to go get the donkey? Would I have joyfully praised to God in those those moments? Would I have been singing that song? Or would I have missed Jesus? And then I I pull myself out, and I think today, am I being obedient to what God has called me to do? Am I singing praises, and when we're singing songs, am I actually doing that? Am Am I doing it joyfully, or am I just doing it to do it? Am I missing Jesus right here, right now in this moment? And if we can be be honest, I'm probably not the only one in the room who misses Jesus, right? We miss the presence of God. Like, how can we do that? How can we miss it? My hope today is that we wouldn't miss it. That's actually the title of today's message is don't miss it. Don't don't miss it. We're gonna look today how we can miss, like, how do we miss the presence of God when he's right there in front, of, omnipresent, the presence of God is all around. But how do we, how do we miss it? We look for, we look for these two things. We look for the wrong thing. First off, Jesus is coming in on this story, and he's riding a donkey. Right, calls for the donkey and he gets the donkey. Well, donkey back then was referred or referred to as an animal of peace, even humility in some cases. And so he's riding in on this animal of peace in this amazing, amazing moment, and they miss that because they're looking for the wrong thing. They think that their king should be coming through and riding on a horse, because in that day, kings or rulers would come in on a horse. A horse would represent power, it would represent authority, it would represent like getting ready for battle. But not only was he riding in on this donkey, but he's also fulfilling a prophecy. That in John's gospel, says that, that they actually miss. But the prophecy of Zechariah chapter nine says that he would come, the king would come in riding lowly on a, on a donkey. Like, so he's, he's answering this prophecy. And, and if we're looking for the wrong thing, we can completely miss Jesus. And actually, in the other gospels, and for some reason, Luke uh, did not note this in his, but in Matthew, Mark, and John, there's this word before uh, that ancient psalm that was being sang that says, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of, of the Lord. For some reason, Luke left that out, but I was, I was doing some research on that word, and, and the word means save. It, mean, it means save now. So now we have this picture of these disciples, these people that are, this whole crowd, crying out to God, saying, save now, save now, save now but they were looking for the wrong thing. What did they want saving from? They wanted immediate saving. They were looking for, at this time, Roman, the Roman Empire was, was in control of Jerusalem. It was in control, so they were looking to be saved from the oppression of the Roman Empire. They were, they were calling out to God in this moment saying, save us right now from this, like from this physical thing. They were looking for the wrong thing. They, they were looking for material deliverance. And how does that apply to us today? How does this apply to us today? Is that we think, hey, we're gonna give our life to Jesus and everything's gonna be rainbows and butterflies. Like everything is gonna be perfect. There's not gonna be any trouble, no more sickness, no more disease, no more financial debt. And I'm not saying that, that God can't provide in a big way and, and free you from your financial debt, sure. God, God can heal, yes. But if that's what we're looking for, we are looking for the wrong thing. Jesus didn't come to to save us with this political agenda. Jesus came for spiritual deliverance, to deliver us from from the, our own uh, sins. That that if you look in Genesis, says that that Adam and Eve sinned, and when sin came into the world, we were then separated from God. That's what Jesus was coming for, to bridge the gap, to reconcile our relationship with God. If we are looking for the physical things, the material things, we are looking for the wrong thing, and we are going to miss out on the presence of God. Don't miss it. Don't look for the wrong thing. It's easy. We want, to, we want those things, and, and it's great, but we can miss out on God if we only look for those things. We can also miss out on the presence of God if we make it too difficult. If we make it too difficult, we will miss out on the presence of God. Now, let me just say this. If we are so focused on religion and this lofty lifestyle that we have to to live up to and to, to do, if we are only focused on that, we are going to completely miss the presence of God. Like, It's more about relationship. It's about relationship and accepting the love of the Father, being spiritually ready for the relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ. If, if we're focusing on religion, we're gonna completely miss God. You will miss God. You can be as close as you want to it, but you can still miss God. We look at the Pharisees in this day and they, they knew so much about the scripture. Like they knew it back of their hand, everything they would quote it. And you can see in the gospels, they're, they're uh, asking all these questions, saying, well, what about this? What about what Moses said? And what about all these things? And, and they, were, they were missing the fact that all the scripture that they actually knew in the, in, in the Old Testament, all of that scripture was actually pointing back to the person who was right in front of them. I don't care how much you know, you can miss out on the presence of God if you're focused so much on these rules and these commands and these obligations and all of these things. It's about the relationship that we need to continuously pursue. We can miss out on God if we're focusing in on on religion. And what does that look like for us today? That looks like if you're you're coming into church, do you realize you can miss the presence of God even if you're here with us right now? You can miss out on the presence of God as you're walking into church. How does this happen? You walk in, you get your coffee, get your water, you sit down, you don't talk to anybody. Church is over, you get up, you leave, you don't talk to anybody. People are saying hi to you, but you don't talk to them. You just leave, you're missing out on Jesus. You're missing out on the opportunity that you have to associate with the community that God has put right here in this presence. You're missing out on Jesus. And when, when the songs start to go, or start to play, and, and you're just kinda singing the song, clapping your hands, maybe, maybe not. You're wondering really what to do with your hands. You're distracted by all these things. You're, you're, whatever happened this week, you're, you're focusing so much on those things. Why are the lights doing what they're doing and flashing and moving? And you're focused so much on that, you're missing out on the fact that worshiping is also the presence of God. You are going to miss the presence of God in that moment. And at the end of today's message, and really every uh, weekend, we give an opportunity to people to accept Jesus into their life as Lord and Savior. And if In that moment, we say, hey, every head bowed and every eyes closed, and you just get up and leave and walk out. Not only are you physically missing the presence of God, but you are disturbing the presence of God for somebody else that was right there. You are missing out on the faithfulness of somebody who's saying, you know what, I want to kidnap my life to to Jesus, and you are going to miss out on it because you're going to walk out so you can go to lunch. And just after that, when we have an opportunity to give of our tithes and our offerings and In your attitude, when the bucket comes by to to pass by, all the church wants is my money. Here you go, take the bucket. I'm not putting anything in it. You're missing out on the presence of God. As you pass that bucket by, somebody might be trusting God for the very first time in their finances. And I'm not saying that you have to to give to see the presence of God. Don't don't miss that. That's a part of your faithfulness. You can't be fully devoted to God with your hand in your wallet, But, but you're missing the fact if your attitude is the wrong way. Because in, not only is that offering bucket going by, but somebody else is trusting God maybe uh, for the first time in their life to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they made the decision on their card, and they want some more information about it, and they're dropping in the offering bucket. I, I have the opportunity to lead a portion of our serve teams here, and one of those is a team that you guys all saw as you came in. It was our auditorium team. And our auditorium team waves at you to get you a seat, kind of make sure the environment is good. And, and I've communicated this with our leadership that, At the end of this worship experience, they're gonna be part of that, helping facilitate the offering. But I've communicated with our leadership team and and the team members like, hey, if you were just walking down that aisle and you're passing the bucket just to pass the bucket, like what are you doing? You are missing out on everything. It's deeper than just passing the bucket to somebody. That's an opportunity that you're passing out to somebody to say, hey, trust God in your finances if that's what they're doing or to, to get the information, or, or maybe the single mom who's just been desperate for God and is crying out for prayer, and they're gonna put their, their prayer request boldly onto a card, and if we're just passing a bucket to pass a bucket, we're missing out on the fact that God is in that moment. We can miss God right here in church if we're so focused on these routines and these tasks and the processes that we do. And I'm just as guilty. I've passed the bucket just to pass the bucket. I've done these things just to do it, but we have to focus in so we don't, rec- or don't miss out on God right here, right now. If we don't recognize Jesus in all of his glory and all of his, his power, we're going to miss him. The question I want you to consider right now or this week, write this down, is are you keeping yourself away from God? Are you keeping yourself away away from God. Not anybody else. The person in the, in the row with you, they're not doing it. Are you keeping yourself away from God? Consider that this week. Where are the moments where you are missing him? But what can we do to begin to, to recognize him? I, I get it. Okay, maybe I've missed the presence of God, but what can I do to begin to recognize God? The first thing we can do is we can keep joy in our praise. We've got to keep the joy in our praise. We see in verse 37 of Luke chapter 19 that we we read earlier, it says that when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise. God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Mark down joyfully to praise and they had seen. Like, Like we see this is not just one person. This is a whole crowd. Maybe it looked like this, maybe it was twice the size, maybe it was five times the size, I don't know. But the whole crowd was joyfully praising God in that moment. But why were they doing it? It was for what they they had seen. Meaning, Meaning something that they had seen before caused them in this moment to joyfully praise. This experience that they had with Jesus before caused them to joyfully praise. Did you know that you can show up here in a church, have this amazing spiritual experience, be so moved, maybe you're crying, I don't know, but then on Wednesday, lose that? You, you can forget what happened, and maybe your praise isn't joyful anymore. Did you know that, that that's possible? And what happens? By Thursday or Friday, and you, you kind of forget this experience that, that you had and you're not joyfully praising anymore, we turn in just like the people in the story that at the end of the week they say, Crucify, crucify, crucify. If our joyful, if we don't keep joy in our praise, well, our, our joyful praise is going to turn into that. But here's the benefit. This is amazing. I love this in, in Psalm, Psalm 145. If we focus in on this, it says, I will exalt you, exalt meaning to lift up, to, to, to elevate you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Ever Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. If we keep joy in our praise every day, forever and ever, you know what that'll do? That'll defeat the enemy. Nothing tells Satan and his followers that they have been defeated like God's people, worshiping with a true heart, worshiping with a true soul, with full joy. Not being distracted with ourselves, not being distracted with sin, not being distracted with anything the enemy is trying to throw at us, but nothing tells the enemy that he is defeated. Like God's people lifting up joyful praises, undistracted praises to him. So on Wednesday, when things are going bad, joyfully praise. Just lift up that joyful praise and you can defeat the enemy in that moment. We have to keep joy in our praise if we're going to be able to recognize Jesus in our days. The second thing we can do is trade the moment for the mission. We trade the moment for the mission. Now, now we learn this directly from Jesus in the scripture. Okay? We learn that Jesus during this entry, as you saw him, he was going down through, he welcomed the praise. He talked to the Pharisees about the praise. He's welcoming the praise, but at no point in my study did I ever see that Jesus stopped. He continued on with his purpose. He can welcome the praise and continuously move forward. He traded that moment for his mission. He could have stopped if he's like us. I probably would have stopped him and been like, hey, what's up guys? And just, just being in that moment. But he traded the moment for the mission. And days later, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, as I mentioned, that he's in this moment of pure agony and he's crying out to God to, to let this cup of suffering go past him. And he quickly switched his gears and he said, not my will, but your will be done. He traded the moment for the mission. His mission was to seek and save the lost. That's what it says in Luke 19.10. It says he came to seek and save the lost. And in John 3.17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that, through, the world, him, that through, the world, or through him the world might be saved. That through Jesus, the world might be saved. That because he traded the moment for the mission, we can now have this right relationship with God. If we're gonna be able to recognize Jesus, We have got to keep joy in our praise. And we have got to trade the moment for the mission. But we can't stop there. We've got to join God's kingdom because he does not join ours. It's his kingdom. It's his kingdom. We see this in Psalm 103. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. His kingdom rules over all. We have to join God's kingdom because if we want Jesus to join our kingdom and to to play by our rules, I can accept you into my life, Jesus, but I need you to play by my rules. That makes us a God. And the prophet Isaiah was very, very clear by saying that there is only one God, no God before, no God after. There is one God. If we want God to join our kingdom, that's making us a God. And therefore we're going against the scriptures we have this idea that if we just follow Jesus, if, I can, if I'm here on a Sunday or a Saturday, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna give my life to Christ, but, but I'm still going to live in the way that I lived before I showed up. We have this idea that that makes everything okay. God doesn't join your kingdom. You join his kingdom. His kingdom came down for you to join. And so as we, myself, I mean, I, I look at this and, when I gave my life to Christ for the very first time and I was, I was pumped up and, and I was excited, I had this amazing spiritual, spiritual moment, but, but then I still lived in unhealthy relationships. I still lived really parting my way through college and through everything. Like it was just an all out party all the time. I was gossiping. I was living like really any way I wanted, thinking that that was going to be okay. And it's not that, not that God forced me to stop doing those things. He just made me willing to do it by learning, by pursuing this relationship that I could have with him, it's called this Holy Spirit conviction that's convicting you to start changing some things. He's not forcing you to do it. You just are willing to do it afterwards because you're getting closer and you want to have this pursuit of of Christ. We've got to join God's kingdom. I wanna close with with this picture. It's found in, there's these two phrases, a phrase that we're gonna look at and then a phrase that we've already already read. The first one is, is in Luke chapter 14. And this is Jesus speaking to to his disciples in this moment and and teaching in these parables. And and one of the parables, we're gonna gonna focus in on a phrase here. It says in Luke chapter 14, verse 31, it says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able He will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Mark that down, terms of peace. And in verse 33, it says, in the same way, those who do not give up everything they have cannot be my disciples. This terms of peace is the same phrase, actually, that was translated in Luke chapter 19, verse 42. When when Jesus is saying that, that you've missed this peace, like you've missed this terms of peace, peace. This picture that we have of Jesus as he's riding into Jerusalem, into the city, this this hotbed of rebellion, people that were going completely against his rightful authority. This king, Jesus, is willing to make peace, but it's on his terms. It's not on our terms. It's his kingdom to join, not ours. And what happens if we, we don't accept those terms? What happens if we don't, we don't abide by that and we try to live our own way and we say, you know what, God, I need you to line up with me. It's a little, it's easier for you to line up with me. But God wants us to, to move and start to align up with him. If we don't do that, this is what happens in Matthew chapter seven, verse 21. It says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name and we've performed many miracles in your name. We've done all these things in your name, Lord. But the consequence of us trying to to not accept his terms of peace, the consequences is in verse 23. It says, but I will reply, I never knew you. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. We, we have to join God's kingdom. He's not gonna join ours. We have got to start to align ourselves in his way. And as we're preparing ourselves for Easter, if we, we focus this week on just joining God's kingdom and whatever that could look like for us as, as individuals and as a body of Christ, I know that as we move into this Easter season, we are going to be able to recognize the presence of God in a new way because we're gonna be looking for the right things. We're not gonna make it so difficult about this, relation, about this religion and relationship. We're not gonna make it difficult. We're gonna joyfully sing the praise. We'll trade these moments that we have for our overall mission, but we've gotta start with joining God's kingdom. Would you guys bow your heads with me as we close and pray? I wanna pray for all of us in this room that you may have realized that you've never recognized God, that the presence of God has maybe been walking on by you on a donkey or in in all these moments, but you've completely missed it. You've missed the presence. I wanna pray for for all of us right now because we can all identify with that in some way. God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to just learn from you. God, I pray that we won't miss you. God, let us turn our hearts to choosing the right thing. Let us continuously come in here and to just have joyful praise to you, to not be distracted by the things of this world, God, but to be be focused solely on, on you. God, let's trade the mission, trade the moment for the mission, God, and move us in such a way to just be fully devoted followers of you and your son, Jesus. It's your son, Jesus' name, amen. Continuing in this moment of prayer, if you guys will bow your heads with me and keep your eyes closed. There are those of you who have never, you may have realized that this entire time you've been focusing in on this, re, this religion with Jesus. And when I mentioned that earlier, that you can be so close to religion, but so far from God, that that was you. You've never accepted this, this free gift of salvation that is given to us through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that you've never entered into that relationship ever before. I wanna, wanna in a few moments, lead you in a prayer that will do just that. The Bible tells us very clearly that as we confess that Jesus is Lord and we believe it in our hearts, believing that he was the perfect son that lived this perfect, sinless life, and that he died for us, but he was risen again to new life and in turn giving us new life and freeing us from paying for eternity of the sins that we don't need to pay for because they were already paid for through him. If you've never prayed a prayer to enter into that relationship, I would love to do that with you right now. I just wanna know who I'm praying with. So in this moment, with every head bow and eyes closed, would you just boldly just slip up your hand real quick. You can put it up and put it right back down. Praise God for you. Praise God for you, these hands that are in this room that are accepting to enter into this relationship with Christ. You can repeat after me. You can say it in your heart. You can say it in your own words. But say something like this, God, I I know that you love me and I know that I have sinned, and I'm sorry. I believe in you, Jesus, that you came into this world to live this perfect sinless life, and that you died to pay for my sins, and that you were risen again to new life, to give me new life. I today turn and choose to follow you for the rest of my days, confessing you as Lord and believing in my heart. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate with those people who just boldly lifted their hands entering into the kingdom? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.